Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me, as always, I have my two spectacular co-hosts, Tristan and Drew. Tristan, let's start with you. How are you doing today? Um, you know, yeah, you already said it. You know, I'm, I'm doing spectacular. I'm doing amazing. Uh, some would say I'm the You're taking my Tristan. bit for later, and I don't appreciate it. Well, you're going to have to get over it. Uh, I'm also <laughs> sensational. I'm avenging, even. Um, I, I don't necessarily live in the friendliest neighborhood, but I'm trying to think of any other Spider-Man-related puns, but, uh, my, my, my web spinners are, or my web shooters are drawing a blank. Well, while you think of more spider puns, let's turn it over to our other co-host, Drew Garrison. Drew, I know you love spider puns, but I feel like Tristan kind of stole your thunder this time around. So just just tell the audience, tell me how you doing. We haven't talked in a while. All three of us, we haven't been around in about a week. Feeling unlimited, feeling avenging, adjectiveless, sensational, uh, superior, some would say. Well, some have said that about you. I don't even I don't even have like a clever clever introduction to this. I just want to get into this. So, uh, how you doing, Taylor? Man, you know, nobody ever asked me that, Drew. I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to get into this episode as well because a little behind the scenes here, I was not scheduled for this episode because no, was I not. was out of town. I didn't think I'd be able to see it opening weekend, and I was kind of concerned because I didn't want to come in and get spoiled by editing your spoiler talk. So I was a little disappointed. But then I kept seeing reviews about this movie being just, as Tristan would put it, just what a picture. What a picture. Cinema, as also Tristan would say, and Martin Scorsese. And I decided, you know what? I need to see this movie open a weekend. So I did. And then after seeing it, I went, well, shit, now I gotta fucking talk about it. So that's why (laughs) we're here today. Uh, You saw the title. You know the deal. Today we are talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Here's a synopsis for Across the Spider-Verse, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. End quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. It was written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, a.k.a. Lord Miller, and Dave Callahan. I know I usually credit the creators of the characters in the comics here, but I know Tristan and Drew are getting into all that in their Comic Connection segment, so I'll leave that to them. The voice cast goes as follows. And almost everyone in this movie is playing a version of Spider-Man, so I'm going to avoid saying Spider-Man as much as possible. Shameik Moore as Miles Morales. Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy. Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara. Jason Schwartzman as The Spot. Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Morales. Luna Lauren Velez as Rio Morales. Shay Wiggum as Captain Stacy. Mahershala Ali as Aaron Davis. Issa Rae as Jessica True. Tristan, 
I'm gonna need you for this one. I'm, I don't want to offend anybody who listens to us of Indian descent, so I'm not <laughs> well, gonna try this. Well, say I'm not Indian, so I I'm all, I'm also well. I trust you more than me. Let's see, uh, Karan Sony, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Basically, just for anyone un- unfamiliar with how we're about to butcher this name, it's uh, the the Dopender from Deadpool. So the, it's that, a solid name. Actor. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just. It's when you're reading it out, you're like, ah. And I'll be honest, you know, let me just go ahead and uh, give myself an asterisk before I butcher how to pronounce Spider-Man India's name. Uh, much like everyone else on the internet, there were occasional, like, some sound snafus in my theater. And for, and it did happen a couple of times when they were saying his name. It was like, I can't quite hear how to pronounce his name. So, Pavatir Prabhakar, I want to say. I think they kept it. I think they kept it close to um, Peter Parker. So I think it's Pavtia Pavaka. Sure. I, Let's and you know that's just we hope from we're guys close here. Who? Yeah, we hope we're close. We're idiots. We we never claimed to be smart. So if if we hope we didn't butcher that. If people that too hadn't bad. been cheering in my theater, I could have. I could have told you. Daniel Kaluuya as Hobie Brown. Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker. Greta Lee as Lila, Andy Samberg as Ben Riley, and a whole bunch of cameos from Donald Clover reprising his role as Aaron Davis from Another Universe to Josh Keaton having some lines and reprising his role as the spectacular, spectacular Spider-Man. Jack Quaid, too. Actually, now I'm thinking about it. Jack Quaid was in it. He was the voice of uh, Peter, the Peter from Gwen's World. Yep. And don't forget, J.K. Simmons was J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, how'd you leave that out of the credits? Hey, man, there's a bunch of cameos. I only named out two. Yeah, but I feel like he he, he was he was in enough of the worlds that I think he gets. Uh, true, true. That, that is very true, Tristan. So, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson across many universes. Pretty much all the universes. He's a constant. That's one constant. I've been putting off doing these big preludes these past few weeks, but this time I honestly feel like we got to get right into this because this is one of those kind of movies where we love to dissect way too much and talk for two hours. So here's the short version of this prelude. Into the Spider-Verse was a shocking hit for Sony and Marvel, winning multiple awards in the process and propelling Miles Morales into household name popularity status. For many... Into the Spider-Verse is at least in their top three favorite Spider-Man movies ever, and some consider it to be the best Spider-Man movie. Sony, as they should have, decided to go back to the well with a much larger scale in mind. Across the Spider-Verse would be the first part of a two-part series telling an overarching story with Beyond the Spider-Verse acting as the trilogy's finale. They upped the stakes, people now had expectations, and Sony had to somehow deliver a satisfying conclusion to the first part of their two-part project. Something that isn't easy to pull off in cinema. Looking at you, Pirates of the Caribbean 2. From the studio behind cinema, such as Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, and Morbius, it would be understandable if you were worried that Sony would fumble the ball with this one. But did they? Or is this one of the greatest comic book movies of all time? Or is it just alright? That's what we're going to get into today. Tristan, Drew, get into your comic connection so we can get into this motherfucker. Drew, I'll let you go, because you seem to be... (laughs) You seem to have a lot to say. I am hype. Alright, so, this one is still taking... This uh, movie is still taking a bit from 
the Ultimate Spider-Man run that was made by good old Brian Michael Bendis. But... And Sarah Pacelli and David Marquez. Got to credit the artists. See, this is why we have two of you. When one falters just a bit, we have the other come in and be like, you know what, I got you. This is teamwork. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But, 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 we also have the Spider-Gwen comic also, like, almost, almost, uh, like, they took the stuff off the pages and just animated it, in all honesty. But the Spider-Gwen comic from 2015, made by um, Jason Latour, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I believe you And artist Robbie Rodriguez and colorist Rico uh, Renzi. But of course, where it gets its namesake run is that this comic also takes from the Spider-Verse event. Uh, it is still technically an event, right? Tristan, was yep. it just a crossover? That's okay, cool. Event. It had a mini-series, so... Yeah, so the Spider-Verse event that came out just a little earlier in 2014, where we got a lot of these um, Peters that make cameos and everything, and of course, it's where the concept of the Spider-Verse comes in, and Spider-Man and women and people and animals and honestly anything you can think of (laughs) cars yeah anything you can think of all coming together to basically beat beat some bad guys and protect the spider-verse so now to interrupt you here is the t-rex part of comic canon yes god tell yes Yes. (laughs) he is actually more recent he wasn't in the original spider-verse event but you don't say yeah he but he did like appear in a recent comic book i think it was last year in 2022 if i recall uh but yeah um he i call he's called arachnosaur if i recall no no no, wait that's another one that's a velociraptor that's the velociraptor um spider-man this is the t-rex one so the uh, but basically, it's a T-Rex version of Peter Parker, and originally he couldn't web-sling because the webs were too uh, weak to carry his huge body, and then he found a way around that. Don't ask me how. How? Well, well... Uh, no, Tristan, no, we don't have time. Don't get into it. <laughs> Continue your comic connections. Uh, I, honestly th- I honestly think that's it. I could go into, like, the different... Comics that all the cameos take place from get into the spectacular Spider-Man and yeah, the video games and all that. Four hours, but yeah, just yeah, we'll be here for. Yeah, so I'm gonna leave it at the story connections and just leave it at that. Oh wait, I'll also put it in since he's like a major character, Spider-Man 2099 from the 90s. Uh, Miguel O'Hara is the main character of that. Created by Peter David and Rick Leonardi. Oh, right. Should have done the artist. I was too busy trying to close it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. True. Yeah. I just remember Spider-Man 2099 growing up being like the coolest looking. It's pretty fucking sick looking. I do think he has the best suit so far yeah. besides Spider-Gwen. Like Ben Riley is a character. I've heard like there's a lot to be desired. Uh, it depends on who's writing him. Yeah. yeah. Suit wise is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that's true. Tristan, you got anything to add before we get into this? Uh, I'll say since he's a fan favorite of the, of, at least from what I'm seeing from audiences, uh, Spider Punk was created by Dan Slott and Olivier Goybel, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, other than that, no. All right, let's just go ahead and get into it then. By 
talking about our general thoughts. I don't know why I waited like there was going to be another topic here. We start every single episode out with our general thoughts on whatever the fuck we're covering. So, Tristan, let's start with you, man. Actually, I want I want to I start with Drew, because I feel like... Actually, I want to go last, because I feel like I'm going to have... I think there's going to be some disagreements here. So, Drew, let's start with you here. What are your general thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse? I think this is one of the best Spider-Man movies I have ever seen, and it quickly skyrocketed to being one of my favorite Sp- Spider-Man movies of all time. Like, it is above far... Fr- is above a no way home for me. It is truly just, it's just an amazing flick. It's something that I would like when I went into this, I was like wondering what they were going to do with uh, miles in the spider verse, how this was going to happen. And I'm just so, and I'm, I'm, I have to say, I normally don't like meta commentary because I feel like meta commentary on any front is just, it can get a bit overwhelming, but they use it so well. They use meta commentary so well. Some the characters feel like that these are people who are fans of the comics. Miguel O'Hara acts very much in character for who he is. Uh, Spider Spider Gwen, I like how she is portrayed, and just, o- just overall, I feel like this movie was made by comic book fans who knew that this cannot be just a hall of cameos and cute references. This had to be something where you put a labor of love into it, and it took five years. It was five years worth it. So what you're saying is the writers and Morbius had nothing to do with this movie. Oh my god, it was not Morbin time. Even when they were even when they mentioned him, it was not Morbin time. You know what? That that's automatically a con for me. I just please remember that. That is a con of this movie for them trying to act like people should have went to go see it. But yeah, man, I echo a lot of your sentiments. I'm curious to hear what Tristan's gonna say later. Because Tristan's usually the beat one. With comic book movies. Strong and Drew's up. usually the one who's a little more critical. Oh, I'm still critical. I have some, I have some things that I'll be saying later. But it's like, I am not afraid of being critical with stuff I love. Because in truth, you, you be critical to show, like, even with all that, you still love it. Now, I went into this movie, like, very excited. But a bit concerned. Because of what I just mentioned with Sony's recent track record. With the Venom movies and Morbius, and you're like, okay, they hit gold with Into the Spider-Verse. What are they going to actually do here? Now, I gotta say, I do think Across the Spider-Verse is, I'm with Drew, I think it's one of the best Spider-Man movies ever made. I'm still, like, I don't want to sit here and be recency recency biased and be like, okay, it's the best Spider-Man movie, one of the best movies, all that stuff. I kind of said that with everything, everywhere, all at once. Now, in present day, I do think Everything Everywhere All at Once is one of the best movies of all time. But nope. yes. I also think back then I was a little hesitant to say it, and I think that was the right thing to do. I'm kind of similar here. I think it's one of the best Spider-Man movies, but I want to see it again because I do have issues, especially at the beginning of the movie where there was a massive audio problems. I couldn't hear anything Gwen was saying for the first like five, ten minutes. The whole really? vulture fight. Yeah, the music drowned everything out for me. Huh. Could have been worse music, though. I'll tell you that much. I'll go ahead and say that. For it, yeah, it was great music. Like, I had no problem. The soundtrack is amazing. We'll get there. But I was sitting there going like, yeah, I'd love to hear what they're talking about, though. Like, these are spider people. They have quips. That's like a constant throughout most of them, except for Spider-Man 2099. That's why we love And that's it. even a joke in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, We're supposed to be funny. You're not funny. 
but besides the point, uh, the beginning of the movie, a lot of Spider-Punk's dialogue early on, I couldn't really hear either. Uh, even though I really did love Spider-Punk. I love how anti-establishment this man is. And he just didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. And he just backs out when he feels like the shit's getting too stupid for him. And uh, I, I really love that character. I love a lot of the stuff with Miles and Gwen in this movie. I love how they tell a complete story with Gwen. So it feels like this one-parter still feels like a complete movie. Even though it does have a cliffhanger. And I love the whole dynamic. As soon as the whole spider society gets introduced, I feel like this movie is a 10 out of 10. All my issues I have with it is kind of like pre that. But even so, you have awesome dramatic moments with Miles' mom and Miles. That whole speech, like I was kind of just not tearing up, but I was like, man, this is some great writing. How does Sony do this? And then they write Venom. I I just, I still don't get it. Different writers and different goals for the movie. I know, it's just still ridiculous. But there's so much to love about this. It has amazing performances spectacular story i'm trying to come up with more spider puns i can off the top of my head now but there's just a lot of stuff here to dissect i can't wait to get into it tristan what are your general thoughts on across the spider verse all right now i'll go ahead and say obviously really enjoyed this movie i think it's good i think just from a technical aspect like visually and even with the the music you know audio problems that we've discussed aside i think it somehow manages to blow the first one out of the water like which I'm, no one thought was possible but they found a way uh but i okay <laughs> so before going into this movie you know seeing reaction to twitter everyone acting like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread you know, just acting like Drew saying one of his, it's one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. Like it's just um, somehow even better than the first one. Just amazing. All the, all that, you know, acting like it's the second coming of Christ. Um, so I, I, but I'm like, you know what? We'll see. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it'll be a blast. I go in and I'm like, Hey, guess what? This is a blast. I'm loving all, all these character beats, I'm loving these dynamics. I'm loving this emotion, man. Can't wait to see how this wraps up. Oh, wait this movie has no resolution really at the end. Like it, it's, I saw a little picture recently called fast X and that ends on a cliffhanger and it's dumb as shit. And just out of, not necessarily, it's a little bit out of nowhere, but it's fast and furious. So you expect it to be dumb. You know, you're just like, all right, well they advertise this as, you know, the, the first part of a, of a two part saga or whatever. Now, maybe three parts. And even in the reviews, people were saying how, the movie doesn't feel like it has an ending. It's clearly just the first part of a of a big ass movie, and in a way, that's kind of how I feel about this. I I had a great time. I thought it was real good, but I did leave feeling a little a little miffed because I'm like, eh, that didn't like that doesn't it, the story's not over, and you know, obviously it's a cliffhanger for a reason, but it didn't feel to me. Like it stood on its own as a movie. And we've talked about this before, you know, just my own personal biases back, you know, over countless episodes. And even when uh, we did that episode with my list of favorite movies, where in general, the second film in a trilogy tends to be my least favorite, you know, because it never really gets that resolution. And then that because of, you know, either my just you personality, want to see my the resolution. I need the resolution. I don't know if it has something to do with how like 
OCD I am. It's just the way like you're that. wired. Yeah, it's like I just I need. Otherwise, I get stressed out. So mm-hmm. I did leave this being like, okay, that was good, but like, kind of put me not necessarily in a bad mood after. But I was like, eh, all right, like, okay, great. Like, Do you think once you see Beyond the Spider Verse, you will look upon Across the Spider Verse a lot better? I don't mean to say it like you disliked it, but you know no, what I mean. I, I know what you mean, and I, I was going to get to that. I do think once I can, once I see where this goes, uh, that will definitely shape how I feel about this one. Because it's great rising action, for sure. But that's all it is to me. It doesn't, it, 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 it tips before we get to what I feel like is the climax. And getting to a little bit more spoilers. I feel like the trailers gave away everything. and And that yeah. irritated me. Because I was like, oh, okay, so, like, the, what's the big line of the movie? The, uh, nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. Like, that should have been this big hype moment. Which, it was very hype. It's like, okay, well, I already saw that in the trailer. Like, the only thing that wasn't really in the trailer was the action sequence in uh, Mumbatan, which was awesome, but happens, like, in the middle of the movie. So it just felt like, okay, I was hyped up on the internet and you know i try i did manage to keep my expectations low but it's hard not to see everyone be like this is the greatest thing since sliced bread this is amazing it's incredible like this is the best movie ever it'll make the blind see again and (laughs) and meanwhile you're sitting there like can i get this last part yeah you go in there and you're like okay well i've seen all this in the trailer except for this 20 minute section and now I have to wait until March to get any sort of actual resolution for this. Even the twist, quote-unquote, at the end, where it's like, oh, he's on the wrong Earth. That wasn't a twist. When he gets scanned, you can see on the TV, it's like, oh, he's going to Earth 42. He's not on the right Earth. Like, is this supposed to be a big reveal? Like, do people not look at the screen? See, I disagree. We'll get to the twist. Well, we can talk about twists now, but we'll, I'll talk about, like, why I feel like there is resolution later when it comes to Gwen's story. Gwen's story, yes. Gwen's story, yeah. yes. But... And and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm higher on this movie than I may sound like I mean. Because, again, I did enjoy this movie. Like, I do think it's one of the best Spider-Man movies. I don't necessarily know if I can personally put it above No Way Home, if only because No Way Home had an ending for me. Whereas this one does not. Now, once Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out, and I can judge it as a whole, I'm willing to bet the entire trilogy, straight up number one, probably going to be... Yeah, you know, my favorite comic book movie trilogy. And I will say this. I don't think this is necessarily the best comic book movie because it doesn't feel like it can stand on its own or it has a full ending. But I will say I think it is like the most comic book movie. And I mean that in the best way possible. Like this is the one that feels the most like like I'm reading a comic book. And that is a fucking awesome feeling. I I can agree with you on that. But where I do disagree is with the twist where... Or like you saw the Earth 42 thing. Mm-hmm. I know some people mentioned that, but I think they pulled it off kind of like in Far From Home to where Jake Gyllenhaal's in the background at the beginning of the movie and if people catch it, they catch it. And I think that's something that some people saw and some people just didn't. For me, I didn't see it. Well, there you go. well that's what I was saying for me. I saw it and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, I did see it as well and I knew... It was and I knew it was gonna happen, especially with uh, especially with um how they kept talking about that spider and it's like spider yeah. forty two. It's like oh oh I get where this is going. Yeah, and it's like it's I like was, oh, okay, I see what we're doing here. Yeah, I so I could see that coming. Even still, the way they did it, I was 
completely fine. I was completely fine with it. I said that's actually a really good twist. Mm-hmm. Use the spider ch- use his own change from the powers to make it so that way Miles's uh home dimension doesn't seem so to a scanner or anything. That's honestly really clever. Yeah. So, and I think the thing that threw me off about it being the cliffhanger, I mean, yes, it was said like, okay, yeah, like it'll be, you know, be across Spider-Verse than beyond. Like it will be a, a continuous story, but I guess I was expecting more resolution from this one. A, because, you know, like I said, all their reactions and reviews acted like, yeah, it's its own thing, which, you know, okay, take that with a grain of salt, whatever. But the fact that they changed the title, like, the title no longer had the part one in it, you know? Like, if it, like, uh, one of my favorite movies from the last couple years was Dune, which that was really Dune part one. And it was pretty much advertised as Dune part one. So I was like, okay, I know how this ends. And maybe it's it's different because I've read the book. So, like, I don't feel the need for the resolution as much. You know, but mm-hmm. with this, with this no longer being the part one and just being, oh, just across the Spider-Verse, I just was expecting more, not, not something, you know, more self-contained, but something that didn't just feel like the first, let's say three fifths of a season of television. Yeah. You thought with a name change or a title change that it would have been a little more resolution for the first part. Yeah. Instead of it being a part, like for example, wasn't Infinity War originally called Part One and Two? Yeah, and then they changed it. And even with yeah. Infinity War, like yeah, that ended. I, yeah, with yeah a, it feels like a resolution, but it felt like it's a, a bad resolution. Yeah, it's a bad one, but it <laughs> For had the heroes. End. And even then, as soon as it was named Infinity War, like again, this might be similar to to you know my stance on Dune and just you know what I guess a nerd privilege or whatever as a comic book person. I was like, oh okay, well that's gonna end with everyone getting dusted. So I already know. Yeah. Well, it's a bad, I want to clarify, it's a bad resolution in terms of for the heroes and for like, oh, that means the heroes lost. It's a fantastic resolution if you want great movies. Yeah. Because that's one of the best comic book movie endings and movie endings of all time. And uh, you can also go back to Empire Strikes Back as well, which is what this movie was compared to. Mm-hmm. Since we're already on the topic of it, I do want to talk about Gwen Stacy's arc in this movie and her story. because the whole point with the resolution and why you feel that way. I do think that Gwen's story in this movie, it's a, uh, I think in this movie, they actually say you can't have your cake and eat it too, which is a terrible saying, but I think that's what they did with it. They had a complete story with Gwen while having the big cliffhanger. Let's lead into the next movie with miles. So pretty genius on their part there. Uh, and since we were on the subject, Let's just talk about Gwen's story already. I thought it was a very well done arc for her. I'm really glad we got to see Peter Parker as the lizard. That was something I was very interested in from the first movie. I was like, no, 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 go back to that. That is, that's a really cool alternate earth right there. And you get to see why he did it. And she got blamed for his death. And and like, it's so heartbreaking. And especially with her dad at the beginning, who just, he can't accept it. It was just something in his brain just isn't working there. And he still wants to arrest her. And then you see at the end of the movie, he reconciles whether it's just a very heartwarming moment there and he quits the force over it. So I just, just a very lovely story. I think and one of the best parts about it is the artwork of her world. Oh, her world's beautiful. It, 
Oh man, like dude, it just it changes so much too. It comes straight from the comics mm-hmm. and how they use and the use of color is just not only is it so be- it's so beautiful, but I did not think they were going to keep that from the page and then when we first got into her get into her playing and everything, I was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're keeping the color scheme. They're keeping it." And I was so, it's just um it's just amazing to see. It's like one of the things that you one of the reasons why you know like this took five years is because they use so many different styles and keep them consistent when they're introduced. And Spider Gwen's is just so so phenomenal with the use of color. Like they keep darker shades until she finally feels a bright side in her life, and it's just amazing. Which is why I don't think that this franchise. If they wanted to, if they knew ahead of time, okay, we're going to make Miles Morales a household name. We're going to go ahead and make this live action. I don't think it would have worked because what makes this so special, I think, is the animation. Mm. That's not to say there's there's rumors out there that we might be seeing these spider people in, is it Secret Wars, I think? Something they like they said they're gonna be uh, cameoing in Secret Wars. Yeah, which would make sense considering this movie. But I, I'm not saying that that can't happen. I would love to see that happen. I don't know how you're gonna pull that off because you got Haley Steinfeld and Oscar Isaac and Shamik Moore could probably play Miles if they want to. But I don't know how that works with the ages of all these characters and stuff. So there's some logistics that would need to be done, of course. But I would love to see these characters in live action. But in terms of what this movie trilogy is, there's something just so creative about it that I really love. And it's from the soundtrack. It's from the art direction. It's from just the way that the animation is done. Like, they did something in animation. Drew, we talked about Puss in Boots' Last Wish a few months back. Yep. We don't get that animation style in Puss in Boots, which is one of the best animated movies of all time. I'll say that. We don't get that. If not for Into the Spider-Verse. You don't get that creativity of that. So I just... That's something that I think makes this so special. And you really see that on display with Gwen's world, I think. And Gwen's whole story. You're like, man, how are they doing this? Like, they're meshing together so many different animation styles. And live action, too. And it's it works. I, it shouldn't... It Like, mixing the live action and the animation like that, 90% of the time... It looks hokey. It looks stupid. It didn't yeah. here. It looked great. Like I have no problems with anything they did in this movie in terms of the animation style or live action cameos. All fantastic. I think that I think that's one of the beauties of animation. And if these guys were to cameo in Secret Wars, I would say just do the Roger just do the Roger Rabbit effect where you see them interact slightly with them and then not and then like just don't keep them it. Um just don't like uh give them direct interaction because I think it's that direct interaction that ruins it. But I like it. I like how they um how they do fuse like I said, they fuse all the art styles here perfectly and everything. I like that Spider Punks is literally just ripped magazines. And I love how um even with uh, some of the other Spider Men who look more consistent with Miles and with Miles's uh Spider World and everything, you can see slight differences in everything. Like Spectacular Spider Man, he's got a little bit of that 3D blockiness from at, when ad, when adapting, but he still like looks like he came straight from his series and everything. And even the um, even when we get the Yuri Lowenthal Spider Man from the Insomniac games, 
that that was a great um way of blending him and everything and like putting him in. It does make me it does make me question why Miles seems so new though when Yuri has a Miles that is a Spider Man by the end of his game. But you know, side note, not meaning to go off track with a tangent here, but Yuri Lowenthal is probably gonna be the front runner for best voice actor of the year. I think after seeing what he's do- doing so far with Marvel Spider Man Two, his voice as symbiote Peter, it's awesome. Oh Reminds yeah, me a lot of Josh Keaton, which we'll talk about Josh Keaton later. Uh, but Tristan, what are your thoughts on Gwen's world? What are your thoughts on the animation? Kind of like all encompassing Gwen's story here. I feel like that's a nice combo. Overall, I think Gwen's story was great, and it it is like one of it's honestly feels like the only completed story arc in this movie, which going back to what you said a few minutes ago about how you feel, I don't remember which one you said it, but you feel like they managed to have their cake and eat it too by, okay, well, Gwen has the completed story arcs. That's why it feels like a complete movie. I agree that her story arc is completed and it's great and I love it and it's fantastic, but I still don't feel like they managed to have their cake and eat it too. If only, and this is, you know, could be getting into semantics or just marketing or whatever, but the movie is called Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, and that's not to say, oh, Gwen's not Spider-Man, but it's it's very specific, like, this is Miles Spider-Man. Like, it's not Peter's Spider-Man, Miles Spider-Verse, it's not Miguel Spider-Man, it's... When they say Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, I mean, across Spider-Verse, you're thinking Miles Morales. He's front and center He's on front the and center like, on the poster, the like, this is supposed yes. to be his movie. And he does... Like, Miles does have an arc in this that is also pretty solid. Like, he does, you know, put that speech into practice that his his mom gives him. And I think that's fantastic, especially when he's going up against uh, the rest of the Spider Society. But the way I view Gwen's story would be like... Let me think. If, uh, if we have a Superman movie, right? That's like a two-parter and Superman's arc isn't necessarily fully completed, but then Steel has a great complete arc in it on the side. Like, yeah, that's great, but Steel wasn't the title character. Like, that's not that's not having your cake and eat it, too. It's an amazing side character slash co-lead, even, getting their full arc, but it doesn't... It, it's not the same, you know? It's still not that that resolution, that you're mm-hmm. looking for at least not that i was looking for and I, I i know that i seem to be in the minority not even just on this podcast but on you know the rest of yeah. the face of the planet earth as well but just for the audience out there i don't want them thinking that i'm specifically trying to be a hater on this movie because i like to hate on marvel i did enjoy yeah. this movie and i love the spider-verse films i just am explaining my uh, my mindset here let's go back a little bit here we talked about the animation I think we're going to talk about the soundtrack throughout the movie. Let's talk about standout performances, and then we'll get into the story itself. Because I want to talk about the spot, really. Like that's one of the standouts to me. But uh, in terms of standout performances, to me, I think it's Shamit Moore. I think it's Haley Steinfeld, and I think it's Oscar Isaac. There's a lot of great performances here, but I think those are the big three. Well, that, and that's the thing. Like they're all such great performances, but can we even really call them standouts since they're top billing on the on the movie? Oh, like true. they're the main characters. <laughs> it's true. Like they're yeah. the whole cast brings it. Like that's there is yeah, not I a don't single. Think there's a weak bad spot. performance. Exactly. Yeah. There's not a single. It reminds weak me of Guardians, too. and we talked about Guardians a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we were all like, "Well, Tristan, you said it a week later," but uh, 
well, posting wise, it's all confusing. All right, I'm time sorry, has guys. no meaning. The post, the posting schedule of this podcast has been just completely complicated because of the past week of my life. I apologize, but besides the point, on the episode that's going to be re- releasing next week, you actually talk about your thoughts on Guardians Three, and one of the things you said, which was what Drew and I said in the spoiler talk, is the cast fucking brought it. Like everybody brought their. They came to this play. Thing. And it feels like that in this movie, too. Like, everybody brought their A-game Even just the random and- little cameos. Like, Jack Wade only has two lines. He's real fucking good. When Drew talked about this felt like a movie that was made by, not, I don't want to say comic experts, but people that enjoy comics, people that enjoy this medium, it feels like that. It really does. And not to, like, trash one thing to bring another up, but that's what I'm going to do here. You look at something that was hate-watched and now it's getting a second season in Velma that was trashing animation and trashing Scooby-Doo in a way. And it just you look at Spider-Man and you're like, no, that's the way to do it. Like, Don't hate on the people who love the product. That's a weird mindset to have. It's a weird energy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Besides the point, what are your standout performances though like who else like i know you said everybody is there anybody specifically you want to name here before we move on we're like rapid fire here uh i mean the main jason schwartzman i wasn't expecting this to give a shit about the spot as much as i did and a lot of that is the way they wrote the character but also jason schwartzman's performance was just really uh really really good so shout out to him um obviously we know shamik moore is great as miles like he I mean, in in a way, he was the breakout of the first in the Spider-Verse, the way Miles was. Um, yeah. So this was just more of a chance to flex the the muscles that you know we we got hints of in the first one. Um, Haley Steinfeld is weird to call her a breakout because she's Haley Steinfeld and we all love her. But they do, you know, as as we talked about, they do give the character more to do in this movie. So they they give the Haley Seinfeld the chance to flex those chops that we already knew she had. Oscar Isaac, I fucking love as uh, Miguel O'Hara in this. Like he's just so intimidating and so fucking cool. And you're like, yeah, man, go go inject some venom into people with those little fangs you got. Like, why don't you go climb up the side of the wall with your claws? Because you don't just naturally stick. You have to dig in the walls like a spider. Like, you're fucking cool, bro, with, with your lack of spider sense and your fucking cool night vision. Tristan, he's kind of the bad guy. Yeah, but he's fucking cool. Like, he's... I mean, he's he is a, cool, no, here's but the you thing. said I'll that go like... and get into this. I'll go and get into this. Obviously, he's wrong. Like, my, you know, the whole thing of being Spider-Man is you have to save everyone you can. Which, to be fair, that's a lesson we saw Spider-Man 2099 have to learn in Spider-Man Edge of Time, but I digress. Think about it f- from Miguel's perspective. Because I saw someone point this out on Twitter. For the last year, right, he's been stuck trying to hold the multiverse together with a bunch of variants of the same really annoying guy. <laughs> like... He's the only one, like you point out, he's the only one not making jokes. So he's really just working with a bunch of variants of Peter Parker, who we love Spider-Man. He's great. He's one of the greatest superheroes. Peter Parker is one of the most annoying people on the planet. That's kind of his thing, you know? Hey, you say that lovingly. We say that lovingly. He's I would great. double down on that as well. He's great, <laughs> but he's so annoying. So Miguel has been having to put up with him for over a year, trying to fix a mess that this Spider-Man is tangled up in. It's not, it wasn't Miles' fault, but he is a direct result of that. He's tangled up with that. And now, Miles is running around, like, disrupting this system that they've come up with that 
you know, it's obviously it's flawed and it needs to be fixed. But when he feel when Miguel feels like he's the only one who can hold everything together, like it's going to be frustrating for someone to, to, you know, fuck that up. Now he does take it too far, obviously, as we see, like the way he's talking to miles, but that's part of the character. arc. Miguel O'Hara always been a little hot tempered. Also another thing to point out when, during his little monologue, when he says he's not like the others and, you know, he doesn't always like what he has to do. Another point of that is he doesn't have like spider sense. So he doesn't have that same little like connection that all the others do, you know, whenever they first meet. So in, in that way, he is also like very isolated from the, the rest of the spider society. And also just Oscar Isaac gets a great performance and he looks really cool. Not to shun Drew. I want to get into the miles story and his introduction getting catching back up with him, but I want to get Drew's thoughts on, any of his standout performances from this movie real quick. Rapid fire at Drew so we can get into the meat of the story with Miles. Okay, uh like like you said, top billers, Shabik Moore, Haley Stein uh Haley Seinfeld and uh Luna Lord Luna Lauren. She is a great Rio and honestly like I just love I just love how she sounds both both motherly but also like i will kick your i'll kick your butt for all the disrespect you're doing to your father uh i just love that so much uh and uh, of course uh marsh uh marshala ali as uncle aaron like good god to, to be like someone you want to hug and then someone you fear at an at just a slight interval is like guy can do it oh and uh sh- i don't know how to pronounce his name either uh shay wingham for george stacy and I think that's, that's, it. I, I that's, think that's how you pronounce it. Shade, I shade think you nailed it. Yeah. yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah, there's a there's a lot more, but I'm sta- but I'm stopping there. Let's get into Miles' story here, though, because the movie starts off with Gwen Stacy fighting an alternate version of the Vulture from Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, from the Renaissance era there. Which is funny, even though I couldn't hear what's going on because audio issues. Besides the point, that got a lot better. Thankfully, once Miles got into the picture. I, I gotta say, you guys keep bringing up the audio issues. I didn't have that. Yeah, well, just picture all the quips, every piece of dialogue about where the Vulture came from. Didn't really hear it. That is so sad, because those were some good quips. No, I, I heard the Vulture stuff. I got more, mine was more towards the middle, like in, in Mumbatan. In India? Had, yeah, I had some, mm-hmm. some troubles there. Some yeah from Mahatan, I think that's what it's called. But yeah, uh, I agree. There were some moments where I couldn't hear, but it was mostly because they were talking so fast. But we were catching back up with Miles. It's about a year after Into the Spider Verse. He is Brooklyn's one and only Spider Man. Miles feels like he's so much more confident in this movie, and I love it. You just have this like feeling of there you go, kid. There you well, go, man. Job. You earned it. You almost feel the way Peter does, where even though like he's yeah. chasing after him, it's like, damn, I did a good job. Like this kid rocks. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like this. You saw this kid struggle, and you saw him learn and have to grow. And like he's wearing that stupid Spider-Man pajamas in the first movie that don't fit him, and it's just like, oh man, you see where he's at now. I'm not a big fan of the new suit, to be honest with I you. Love the new I suit. love how they kept making fun of it. Saying like, "Are you bleeding <laughs> down your <laughs> armpits or something?" I I enjoyed the first one more. But at the same time, it just, everything feels so earned with this character to where you feel like this attachment to him. It's awesome. I love catching back up with him there. 
You're seeing him just as a superhero with the spot there. Great scene. We'll talk about spot in a minute. But what did you guys think about this? And not only that, but the Spider-Man struggle that we typically see about balancing that superhero and personal life. Or you can go. I really like the I really like to see the uh, balance that um, superheroes have to do, especially if they're keeping their superhero life secret from everyone. And Miles is, feels very classic, very um, trying to find a different word, but I'm just gonna stick with classic. A very classic Spider-Man struggle. I like seeing how he how he deals with that, but I also like seeing like he's enjoying his time as Spider-Man. He doesn't see it as a curse; he just sees it as another part of his life. I think for a lot, I think for like Peter, um, he it's like for a while he sees his stuff as a curse, and depending on who's writing him, it can be to the point of melodrama. For Miles, I feel like nah, he is like he understands what it is to be Spider-Man, but at the same time, he also is changing as Spider-Man. He has his own thoughts and opinions on being it, and I like to see, I like how he uh, struggles with school. He's missing classes because he's obviously saving lives and everything but he and uh it's just really it's really nice to uh see how far he's come as uh the new spider-man and everything and even he's still struggling with the spot and everything it's just his fight with the spot is hilarious also some classic imagery with that where the spot uses his uh spots to punch to make miles punch himself in the face that's a classic spider-man thing Oh, uh, I love that. Before I throw it over to Tristan, the Spot's dialogue in the fight is top-tier shit. Especially when he's talking to the cashier, the owner, I would assume, of the convenience store. And he's like, why are you making this so inconvenient for me? Let me rob you. You're making my first experience really bad. Like, all that <laughs> stuff was just, like, so funny. The Miles was just sitting there the whole time going, like, who the fuck is this guy? It was just, it was hilarious. It was great. Tristan, what are your thoughts on catching back up with Miles here and where he's at at this point in the story? Oh, I'll agree with uh, everything Drew says about Miles at the beginning of the story, especially with the whole balancing, you know, his superhero life with his normal life. And, you know, that is such a superhero trope, but I think it is also such a specifically Spider-Man uh trope and the way they portray it here i think is is really fantastic like you really get to see he's you know he's struggling to keep it all you know put together but he's not miserable about it it doesn't you know fall into that melodrama trap that drew mentioned which you know melodrama is a big important part of spider-man and it can be real fun when done well um but yeah in this instance like no he is it, it is the beginning of this movie is a bit more upbeat, even if he is dealing with these struggles and seeing how he's, you know, how far he's come in the last, I think it was like what year and four months or something. Um, and how used to being Spider-Man and how used to him being Spider-Man New York has become, I think is it's a really not necessarily a nice change of pace, but it's a nice growth from where we saw him for most of the last movie where so much of it was him, learning how to be confident and become his own Spider-Man. We see he finally is his own Spider-Man and he's, you know, nailing it. At least the Spider-Man part. Not necessarily his personal life, but, you know, that's... Causing a bunch Spider-Man of damage. Is. Yeah, well. You but know. that's also who Spider-Man that's is. That's also Spider-Man. To be so. fair. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into, like, the whole dilemma of this movie yet, but 
you're you talking about just the way that he is a Spider-Man and balancing that life. I think that's one of the constants with all the Spider-People, along with the sacrifice part. And what I can't wait to get into with the whole dilemma of the movie that I'm, I agree with you, Tristan. I'm pissed off because the trailer did kind of really hint at that. And if you go, if anybody's listening, go just don't watch the trailers. Yeah, but, you know, we talk on podcasts about all sorts of stuff. We kind of have to keep up with it. <laughs> That's the sad part. It's the sacrifice we have so that way we can be your nerd men. Don't say it like that. <laughs> Don't say it like that. Uh, no, just ignore Drew. Nerds <laughs> talk movie is, you have to say it more like, nerds talk movie is a sacrifice. Nerds talk movie is a sacrifice. There we go. That's better. But not only is it the sacrifice, but is the balance. That's something that's like a constant between all the spider people. And one thing I love about the dilemma is Miles is trying to tell the spider people, the spider society, like, yeah, sure, you might be right, but we always have to try. Which is something I love, too, because I wanted to say this in general thoughts, but this movie did more for the MCU in terms of the multiverse saga. Than anything from the last phase has. Yes, the yep. multiverse of madness and also Quantumania. Combined. It fucking fixed shit from, like, Morbius. Yes, which is hilarious. Besides <laughs> the point. Like, it's Morbin time, guys. <laughs> it not only helped them see you in that way, but you can see now the Spider Society or whoever ends up, you know, turning with Miles here, even possibly Miguel, showing up in Secret Wars. They do the whole time branch stuff from Loki and Quantumania. And then you see the web and you're like, okay, there's rumors around that Tom Holland Spider-Man is going to be the main protagonist of this. I can kind of start connecting the dots because of this movie. Because it seems like he's the antithesis of Kang in that way. And one thing I really love about it, too, is I think you watch No Way Home. That's something Peter also goes through. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I can do both. I can save these villains. I don't have to just send them back to die. And he, that's who he, he fights Doctor Strange in that movie. And in this movie, you have Miles fighting the Spider Society. They both kind of have these similar goals. And at the end of the movie, I went, yeah, I need to see Miles and Peter team up. Do you guys have any thoughts on this movie kind of doing a pretty good job of helping them see you out? Which they didn't have to do. They didn't have to. But I feel like it did. I like, mean, on, hero. Like, it's honestly, heroism. since... Yeah, it's it's a bit of heroism, but I feel like it's, it's more of like, oh, we, um, we're real, uh, we realize that we're going to connect these movies in, some, in a, a huge way. And it's like Secret Wars is going to be coming up. And uh, we might put our characters in there. So it's like, I feel like, yeah, them, do, them doing the solid is cool. But it's also like, it's kind of necessary that to help people better understand the multiverse in general. Since Marvel's sort of screwing the pooch on that. I'll be honest though, I don't want any of these characters showing up in Secret Wars. I'm The extent that we've already gotten crossover with the MCU in this, like just with the sm- slight references, that's as far as I want it to go. Like, I don't... Totally understand Not everything that. needs to be connected, even though this is about the multiverse. Like, I would like for this to be its own self-contained thing. Logistics-wise, I completely agree with you, because I just don't know how you're going to pull that off. But there is something about seeing, like, the way that this movie is going and how you assume Beyond the Spider-Verse is going. And you're like, 
Yeah, models could be pretty useful in a Secret War scenario, especially if it's going to be Spider-Man centric. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. That's for years down the line. I just wanted to throw that out there because I did not see Sony pulling off a multiverse movie and doing a better job at explaining the MCU's multiverse than the MCU itself in 2023. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, let's move on, though. I don't have my notes in front of me because I'm a moron. This guy. And talk about the spot. Let's talk about the spot's introduction. This guy is fucking hilarious. That bagel, man. That bagel changed the course of the multiverse. That bagel changed the MCU. What is with multiverse stories and putting it all on a bagel? Because everyone loves bagels. <sighs> everyone loves bagels. There isn't everything everywhere all at once reference in this movie. Like there's a billboard that yes, there is with a bagel on it. It's like all things all the time. You know, that's cool. Every every win or something. What you guys think about the spot though? Yeah, I think it's a great villain. More more yeah. so than I was expecting. And not that I was expecting to be bad. I just wasn't expecting him to... I wasn't expecting to give as much of a shit about him as I did. And they crushed it. Like, the only other time I've seen the spot be this cool or intimidating was in Mark Wade's Daredevil run. And he had to change identities for that to happen. <laughs> True thoughts on the spot? I like him, and I he's really fun to watch. I do get... I do feel like he... Blames Miles for a little for a little too much, but I can understand he needs someone to blame. But it's like, dude, your collider was literally ripping apart the fabric of the fa- the fabric of the multiverse. Think you may be projecting a bit. Hey man, he hit him in the face with a bagel. Oh and yeah, who knows sure. how fresh that bagel was? It could have been stale and hard as shit. Yeah. Well, that's on. Well, that's on the place he works, not the well, not true. the kid. Who I works. think he's got it. Well, he clearly had his own beef with Alchemax. Yeah, he he clearly does. I like I like that, but also it's like, oh, you were at the collider when it was exploding, when everyone else evacuated. It's like that's on you, dude. I love his backstory. I do too. Tying it into Miles is perfect. Yeah, I didn't expect it to tie into into the Spider Verse, and the way they did it, and not only that, to be like, you threw a bagel at me, and I started thinking, I was like. The fuck is he? Oh, he's that guy. And then you go back to watch into the Spider Verse to see if you can see him. You're like, ah, shit, you can't see him. But it's brilliant of this movie to do that because so many people went back to go see it, and that's a genius move. Everybody went back to go watch into the Spider Verse for a split second to be like, is the spot in this scene? Uh, so I thought that was hilarious. And what I love about the villain too is he feels different. Then going back to the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? High Evolutionary is just a piece of shit the entire time. An amazing villain. Top tier MCU villain. Not taking anything away from him. But what feels so different about the spot is he starts out as this like CW Flash villain of the week. And they literally call him that. Yeah. And you're like, okay, they're going to take care of him. And this is going to be the first villain Miles fights and the big threat's going to get revealed later. No, he progressively gets a little more powerful each time. And the not really get into the turn here, but once you get to that turn where he changes colors, dude, the art style. Insane. It went on a fucking dime, went from, oh, this is fun, he's a funny character, to, oh, shit, that is terrifying. And I can't wait to get into it. 
But before we do that, I want to talk about Miguel O'Hara and the Spider Society because they are really the secondary antagonists to this movie. And some would say the primary antagonists of this movie. What do you guys think of the Spider Society? I feel like there is no way a bunch of Peters would be okay with just say, oh, these guys have to die. I was like, I get that Miles' whole thing is supposed to be, like, he's the one who says, hey, we can try to save everyone. Even if we fail, we still have to try. It's like, I just don't see all the Peters doing that. Especially with, like, Yuri Lowenthal Peter and Spectacular Spider-Man Peter. Okay, see, that's what I was going to get into. I was like, I love the Spectacular Spider-Man cameo. I appreciate the intent. All three of us did spoiler talks or retrospectors, whatever you want to call it, on both seasons. Go check them out. Awesome show. But I love the intent. I don't like it. Well, and that's the thing, because I had the same thought, but Josh Keaton did talk about this on his Instagram Live. Uh, The way he, and and this is obviously just his headcanon, but the way he interpreted it it was, this is still like that young, like 15-year-old Peter. And this would be, I guess, relatively shortly after. He also lost Captain Stacy. So he's, you know, stuck feeling like every time he gets close to like someone like this father figure they end up dying like so there there would obviously be a part of him that would like to be comforted by the idea of like hey it's not just pointless like there is a meaning to this and he's like you know obviously you know maybe he would grow and evolve and like realize hey no wait you know i can save everyone but that that was his explanation for why he thought his peter would be there in that specific moment in time. But I do yeah. agree with the sentiment of in and this is the most common like actual critique I've seen of the story where it's like Peter Parker wouldn't just be in any in most universes wouldn't just be like, yeah, no, someone has to die. I can buy some, but at the same time, just it being Miles and Spider Punk being the two to be like, nah, fuck this shit. It's like, damn, really? Not one other spider person that's in that place? Thinks that's a little fucked up, really? That's the thing that kind of got me. And uh, Drew, I think you made a good point talking about Gary Lowenthal's. And, and it comes with the great cameos. It's fantastic fan service. And I don't want to see, I don't want to seem ungrateful about it because I love what they did with this movie. I agree with Drew saying that this was made by people who love Spider Man. And it feels like that. I love the cameos, but some of them just didn't fully make sense in terms of the story that they told. So, uh, yeah, that would be my one critique of that whole dilemma yeah. with none of the Peters, really. Maybe Peter B. Parker, but I don't mind him just being along for the ride because he seemed like he was just retired. And he was like, oh, Miles is here. I'm going to go check out and see what he's doing. But, yeah, it's like that was my one, that's my one critique. And it's only to do with really the cameos. It's like, I get it, they're just supposed to, they're mostly supposed to be just cameos. But uh, I did have to bring that up because it, because it's like, I have to, like, my boy is Spectacular Spider-Man. I have to defend him. No, I think it's a valid critique. And you again, you don't want to seem ungrateful about it because there are amazing cameos there. Yeah, and all the hard but... work they did to, like, bring it to life. It's like, I do not, it's like, I, I, a part of me doesn't want to complain, but at the same time, it's like, I, I gotta, though. I can't yeah, just because that's what the story let that go. Yeah. yeah, they didn't do that with the story, which is a great dilemma. Don't get me wrong, but 
if you introduce it, you got to follow through with the characters making sense. That's the reason I didn't care for Captain America Civil War as much. Because their motivations didn't make as much sense to me. But Tristan, you got any thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, I mean, maybe we'll get more time with the reasonings of the Spider Society and beyond the Spider-Verse. But no, I... True. We are in agreement on this one. I'm like, ah, I don't necessarily know that Peter would do this. But, all right. You know, it it led to some cool cameos. So, I, I guess it's one of those no-prize situations where do we really want to poke that big of a hole in what was something that was really cool. So, getting into Miguel's story, though. His whole deal is similar. Uh, I watched a video from Heavy Spoilers. I, they brought this up, and I thought this was a fantastic video by them. It's very similar to Sinister Strange in What If mm. Season 1, Episode 4. There, I don't know if that was just an awesome coincidence or if the writers planned that on purpose. Probably just an awesome coincidence, but damn, that enhances the story to me because I love Miguel's story of he just wanted a family. And he thought it would be harmless, and he ended up destroying a universe because of it. And that just, like, broke him. So that's where he is now. And he's a villain in the sense that I still think he's... He's an anti-hero more than a villain, I would say. I'd say he's... I'd still say he's a hero, but I think it's it's just he's an antagonist. Because that's another reason why he, he would be sick of Miles. Because it's like, Miles is running on doing these things he doesn't understand. I'm about to make the same mistake that Miguel already did. So he knows what that'll lead to. And he's like, dude, like you're not listening to me. I'm telling you, it's not going to work out the way you think. Yeah. And it's just the way Miguel's personality is because in the comics, Miguel is hardcore. He is not the jokey style. Miguel has that dog. Yeah. (laughs) He got bit by by a radioactive canine. (laughs) (laughs) But Drew, as you were saying about Miguel's story in this movie, yeah, so his story in this movie does feel close to who Miguel is. It also feels close to the game where he appeared in. I think it's Shattered Dimensions. And at a time. He was in both. Yeah. So it's like this is like this is like Miguel's true story. It's like he he's always a Spider-Man who's willing to make a darker choice in everything if he feels like it's the better choice. And sometimes he'll like just go for it and not try to look for a better um, a better choice and everything. He'll just think, oh, this is the one you have to go with and everything. Uh, his storyline normally involves learning to get out of that. And ironically, he learns that from modern day Peter a lot. Uh, but that is one of the, uh, he, this feels like Miguel. This feels like a very roided Miguel, but I, but I like this version because it does make him feel like yeah, this is the beefier, more destructive Spider-Man. And we did, on that note about him being the more aggressive one, we did see at the beginning he was about to bite the vulture's, like, throat with his fangs and, like, paralyze him. Yeah. So. Yeah, don't worry, he wasn't going to kill him. Like, like he, he wasn't there yet. That's yeah, one his, of his powers. His, his, yeah, his fangs emit a uh, venom that'll paralyze his prey, like a spider. Yeah. I also, like, couldn't tell, but um, does he have his organic webbing, uh, Tristan? It didn't look like it, no. It looked like he had fancy little laser ones. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, like I said, it feels like Miguel's just kind of broken in this movie and just so much... You guys said destructive, but I feel like it's... He just doesn't care about anybody's feelings because he knows, in his mind, what's at stake. Mm. And he believes he's right. Which, one of the things I love about the movie so far is... It has. It doesn't prove either side right. 
there's evidence that Miguel's right, and there's evidence that Miles is right. Gwen's world's still alive. It's still going just fine. And her dad's still alive. And she quit, and he quit the force. And then you go to the other side, and you see what happened to Spider-Man India. His universe isn't doing too well. So, what's causing this? Who's right in this scenario? Can Miles save his dad? It's a lot of fantastic questions going into Beyond the Spider-Verse. Can I ask who you feel like is right in the end? I think Miles is right. Yeah, at the end, we're clearly going to see Miles is right, but I get why Miguel is acting the way he's acting. Yes. I don't know what's causing it. Maybe it's the spot and somehow they're going to do some time travel multiverse bullshit. I mean, a lot of times they do shit in, in comics where it's like, oh, this one event was so cataclysmic to the multiverse that it like extends out into time from all directions. The other thing, too, is this movie doesn't have Madam Web. Oh, boy. We'll look forward to the Sony live-action film Madam Web coming out hey man, soon. Those early rumors that sounded like Terminator but Spider-Man sound fucking badass. I don't want to hear any bullshit yet until we see a trailer. Uh, that being said, like if Madam Web was around in this movie, I have a feeling we'd be on top of this by now. <laughs> There'd be yeah. some answers. Good old Cassandra Webb or Julia, but I like Cassandra Webb better. Uh, both of them would probably have an answer to all this stuff. For those of you who don't know, those are the two Madam Webbs. Cassandra Webb was the first. Uh, she died and maybe alive again in the comics. I don't know. But uh, Julia Carpenter is the current Madam Webb. But yeah, it's like, for me, I feel like Miles is right because there's one glaring hole in, their, in the argument of uh, Miguel that fully changes everything and that's the uh, the 42 spider it didn't bite a spider man and miles's story from the ending looks like he was supposed to be the prowler he ain't the prowler he became spider he became spider man and earth 42 has no spider man and is still alive it doesn't look like it's suffering no oh, it looks anything. like it's suffering it's just well it's just it's not <laughs> suffering from multiversal yeah. shenanigans i don't know there's a sinister six cartel going around yeah, which... like, that doesn't sound very promising yeah. <laughs> I hope dude that sounds so cool. They better pay that off in the next movie. But yeah, I do feel like Miguel's story is heartbreaking. I do feel like though he's one of the he's fully into his trauma and believing that there can be no other way. Instead of thinking yeah. there might be another way. Which is like I said, part and parcel to his personality. Yeah, he's a fantastic character, and I can't wait to see how his character ends his journey in Beyond the Spider Verse. But since we're on the subject of this dilemma, let's talk about Miles and his story in this. One part of this movie that is easily a 10 out of 10, and I refuse to hear opinions otherwise, I'm being facetious, but besides the point, is uh, Rio talking to Miles about her letting Miles, I don't want to say letting Miles go, but like being less restrictive about it. Being like, you're still grounded, but you go do what you want to do with life. But always take care of that little boy. And talking about Miles. And man, that story just works so well with the story of this movie. It was real fucking good. Well, uh, I thought since we talked about Rio, can't we talk about Jeff too? Yeah, go ahead. Like, like Jeff is try like, Jeff's struggles is just so hard. He's struggling so hard. It is like he's. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I it's like I lo- I like I like the fact that Rio is trying and everything and I 
want to give a shout out to the moms, but I've also realized like uh, Jeff doesn't get a lot of shout outs for literally trying to be a police officer, trying to be there for Miles, and also giving as many excuses as he can to say, "Hey, he's gonna be, he's gonna be here." Like he's got the three dots coming, everything is like he's trying his best to be good dad, and then also technically working with his son and not knowing about it. In the vision, how did Jefferson die? I forgot. Same way the uh, uh, Spider-Man India's his uh, his, the, his inspector was gonna die. Yeah. Like same way, Comic Captain Stacy dies. You whenever you you, okay. you get you get crushed by some rubble trying to save a little kid. Yeah. So I call bullshit there because from the beginning of this movie, I was like, man, Jefferson's gonna have a fucking heart attack. Like, this man is stressed <laughs> out. I feel yeah. bad. He needs a break. <laughs> It's like he's fall he's falling um off and has to be saved by Spidey who just gently leaves him on a uh on the stairs. He has to literally try to keep up with a teleporter and everything. Cars are being flung through the city because of this guy. It's gee it's like geez, man. It's like I think you need to take a vacation. And here's the thing, Jefferson, good dad, not questioning that. Do question his skills as a police captain and just someone who's just who should be able to observe things because I feel like if you've been working with your kid for over a year, even if they're in a costume and changing their voice, you should know that's your kid. Like you should be able to tell. It's <laughs> like, Hey, I recognize the way my kid walks <laughs> like, or just the way he moves his hands. Like that's, he said, you remind me a lot of my, kid. yeah, he said, you remind me. Cause like, mm, why is that? Jefferson? <laughs> why is that? See, at the start of the movie, I was expecting, oh, he already knows. Yeah. It's like, that's why, that's why he was defending Miles earlier. And then it's like, as the movie goes on, it's like, he doesn't know. Yeah, because let <laughs> me tell you, had 15-year-old Tristan been running around as Spider-Man and, like, my mom was the police captain that I was working with, she would have recognized it was me. On what, like, day two, month three? Oh, within five minutes. The five moment minutes. I tried to be like, hey... Like, how, you're telling me he never did a stupid, dumb voice around his parents? Mm, like, yeah, that's true. The moment you go, hey, Maybe it's because he's not speaking Spanish. Yeah, well, even, he hugged him in the first movie. You don't recognize the way your yeah, son you hugged know, you? Yeah, it's like, you, you gotta, you got, it's like, that's why I thought he knew, because it's like, that one moment should have told He hugged him and Jeff. said, I love you. <laughs> like, come on. Come on, Jeff. Hey, Jeff's trying, He's doing right? his best, but... He's yeah. doing his best, but it's like it's like you. Re it's like this really should have been like he knows. It's like give a small hint, he knows, but it's like. Ugh. But getting into Miles' story now, how'd you guys feel about his arc, Tristan? Let's start with you because you feel like it was a bit unresolved. How'd yeah. you feel about it, other than it being unresolved? I did love like everything that he put into practice, like with the speech his mom gave him. Like, I do think that really held true to the character and it gave us an opportunity to see that. Yeah. He became Spider-Man at the end of the last movie. Like he found like during the what's up danger scene, but now it's like, okay, like he, he knows what he's about and he's still clearly a little unsure of himself. Like in the scene when they're on like the, the train to space or whatever. And like he, he leaps off to kick Miguel, like a little bit of the train comes with him. You know, not as much as, like, the windows when he jumps off the building. I'm sure in the final movie we'll get a big moment where he jumps off and nothing, you know, gets thrown with him because he's, like, fully, fully Spider-Man. But it was definitely, it, it was awesome to see, like, the progress he's made. It's like, yeah, no, like, he is Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man for a reason. Yeah. I also do like that, um, 
throughout the storyline we get my we get miles's um insecure insecurities not really about being spider-man but more he's just alone he, he can't talk about this with a lot of people and genki surprisingly instead of being like best friend it's like genki is just oh uh i'm not your guy in the chair not doing any of the not doing any of this i'm not gonna help you or whatever and not even in a dick way he's just like i don't want to do this <laughs> it's like that's fair it's like to- it's like totally understand uh but but i do get on him for stealing the jordans you don't wear someone else's jordan side note though i do love that part not the jordan's part but the i'm not gonna be your guy in the chair because one of the things people said about the Homecoming trilogy is Ned's personality was a lot like Genki's, apparently. Yeah. In the comics. Yes, it was. Yeah. So that I, I, kind of felt like a nod to be like, hey, it's going to be a little different here. And He's also how Lizard Peter tried to kill his version of Ned when he turned into a lizard. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I know the bully. That was Ned. Like, Gwen was like, back off, Ned. Like, oh, shit. That's yeah, cool. it's not Flash, which is, which is a bit of a change, but I don't care. Yeah, so yeah, that was a pretty cool nod there, and I, I do like how they differentiated the two characters for sure this time around. It also makes the upcoming Spider-Man game coming out feel a little more unique because Genki is Miles' guy in the chair. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. continue, Drew. Uh, yeah, but um, Ma- but Miles' storyline, I I like a lot. I like. Uh, like one of the things that makes Miles unique is that not only does he have his parents in the comics at least for a bit, depending on which storyline you're going for. I like how I like how um his whole dile- most of his dilemmas come from does he go the traditional Spider-Man route or does he try his own route? And he finds there's unique merit in both. And seeing how Miles, um. And seeing how Miles changes with the different adaptations and everything, like, he's very different from his Insomniac games, from his um, 2017 cartoons, and uh, here in the Across the Spider-Verse, or, you know, no, no, uh, Spider-Verse trilogy, he, they're all, like, very different, but, t- but what you take away from it is that Miles' huge thing is that his family is a huge influence on him, and regardless of where, with um where in his family he stands you're gonna see like their influence rub off on him and affect how he's going to be period whether spider-man or himself and seeing how um when his family is in danger in this one which is something that hasn't been adapted from the comics till now it's like i love seeing um i love seeing his struggle with that and also his struggle with just wanting his friends to like his friends have the power to come visit him and all he wanted was just to see them again like, that's a nice little moment where it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm confident in my ability to be Spider-Man now, but it's like, I, it's like, I really just loved you guys. I wanted to hang out. You guys understand the whole Spider-Man deal. And it's, and it's like, I connected with you guys. So I really did like that. Even the callbacks to like the original, um, to the first movie and everything, where you go through the different speeches that everyone gives Miles and everything and how that has all affected him. It's like it's a ni- it's like it feels like his story just is not only continuous, but he's still learning these um different these different lessons in new ways. I love it so much. Not only that, but it feels like Miles, you mentioned he still has his parents around, but also Miles has a lot of mentors in this franchise. Peter B. Parker, his parents, also has Aaron. 
those are four people right there and you can see that continuous growth and the way that the, all those all four of those relationships are different from each other and you get to Miguel who you think okay could this be another and Miles almost instantly goes I don't like this guy well because Miguel's into like I can't fucking stand this kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, there's something uh there's something off here I really like that too because it, you would think because of everything before like, okay, Miguel's going to be the next mentor for him. Nope. It's a little subversion there if you hadn't seen trailers. But all in all, load Miles' story, I can't wait to see how it concludes in a, in Beyond the Spider-Verse. But let's move on to our next topic. Let's rapid-fire this thing, because we are running out of time, unfortunately. What are you guys' favorite Spider-Verse characters in this movie? Your favorite cameos? Uh, Well, favorite characters or favorite cameo? Let's split it off between characters and cameos. Well, the, there was the cameo of the, the spider person in the wheelchair that uses crutches. They're a really cool character. And they were actually created by a fan, and the fan won a contest uh, to get the character in the comic. And then that character played a sizable role in um, Dance Lot and Mark Bagley's Death of the Spider-Verse. But I cannot remember the name of the character right now. Either way, that was uh, that was cool to see. Um, I liked seeing Peter Parked Car, which is like the spider cart. Uh, that was fun. Um, uh, Metro Boomin as a spider was 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 funny. Though he was the one who was like, okay, well, I guess there was somewhere to run. Um, and then obviously, you know, we already talked about seeing Yuri Lowenthal Spider Man and and Josh Keaton Spider Man. Both those were great. And then you know the little nods to the the live action spiders. You know that we see the death of Uncle Ben, the death of Captain Stacy. You know those those were cool. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you on that. And even though I had a problem with it, Josh Keaton, seeing him return as spectacular Spider-Man. I could barely hear what he said because these fuckers in my theater kept cheering. And it wasn't even <laughs> cheering. This dude, I, let me, this was a, a, an actual complaint, not with the movie, but just with my experience. This man kept going, whoa, yeah, at like random Oh, times. I hate those people. No, but, but here's the thing. Like he was clearly doing it for attention because it wasn't even like during the big hype moments, like during Endgame, you know, or Infinity War, you record it. Like it was like, oh, the moment where like Gwen leans against Peter when they're upside down, he would go, oh, yeah. It's like, can you fucking stop before I get up and chop you in the throat? Maybe Tristan, maybe this guy was the same guy that I encountered he's, when he I was, watched Black he was, Adam. He getting through the Spider-Verse. He's swinging around the state of Georgia, ruining our theater experiences. I was seeing this scream, movie again without him, but... Did he scream, like, oh, Spider-Man! Yes! Yes, he did! Dude, that might have been him! Was he Was he possibly drunk? Uh, there was a, I mean, there was a chance. There was a chance. It would okay. be a little bit early, but it wasn't, it's not impossible based on how he was. He was Did he have early. a sort of deep voice and kind of sounded a little Southern, not Cowboy Southern, but yes. Southern Southern? Well, I am in Macon, Georgia, so there was something to that. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's kind of hard pressed to not. And and I don't want to I don't want to make assumptions, but he did sound like a white man. I'll just put that out there, if we're <laughs> narrowing it down. Like the fact that all three of us had someone. Yeah, <laughs> all three of us encountered the same it's guy the same man. in different <laughs> areas is, of Georgia. This is who we've been united to fight. This is our our ultimate. Enemy. He is. This our is our spot. nemesis. He's our spot. <laughs> Nerds talk movies versus yelling guy. That that one yelling guy. That piece of shit. Alright, so, like I mentioned, the Spectacular Spider-Man cameo was awesome. Everything Tristan said, seeing Donald Glover, did not expect it. Came out of nowhere. It was awesome. I don't know if we'll ever see Donald Glover again as the Prowler. I hope but you should. Especially on Spider-Man 4. 
But besides the point, now I'm just blanking on all the cameos. There are so many of them. So yeah, everything ones. Tristan said with the Yuri Lowenthal Spider-Man, the live-action cameos with Spider-Man with Andrew and Toby. No Tom Holland, which was peculiar. Seemed very intentional. Yeah, I think I think the Tom Holland one they're saving because again, like they like like we said before, it's like that he may be they may be appearing in Secret Wars and everything, so they may want to keep that introduction. And we did get the reference. At, yeah. Like Yeah, there was a reference <laughs> of Doctor Strange and that nerdy kid from It's like that Earth little nerd from Earth One Nine 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 Nine. It wasn't even nerdy kid, it was like that little my nerd. My question is it okay, okay, quick question. Do you think he called him nerd because he doesn't remember that version of Peter Parker? Or like does he or is that just him insulting him? I think he's insulting him. Yeah, I do too. But props to Amon Villani, who I believe in an interview was talk was actually calling out Kevin Foggy when they pretty much announced like, oh yeah, the MCU was the Earth six one six. And Amon Villani, who is a legitimate fan of Marvel. We love to see she it. She goes, No, nope, it's that's the comic. That's the comic universe. Even and this even in like this, they changed, they changed Peter to Earth six one six B. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a bit of a recon from the first movie where he was just Earth six one six. Yeah, I honestly count all of the universes that we get are technically the B versions of them. Like they say, like Miles is Earth sixteen ten, and I'm like, okay, so this is sixteen ten B because it's like they're not supposed to be like the original universes and stuff. So. I get, like, their iconic numbers, but it's like, uh, I really would like it if, like, these, if, like, you're going to invoke the multiverse and the animated stuff. It's like, give it, give us different numbers. So, moving on from cameos to the Spider Society, the main group here. Uh, for me, I think Spider-Punk was the standout. Because yes. they just went all in on the anti-establishment. Like, Spider-Punk is who he says he, he is. He was an he instigator, and we love that for him. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Like, no false advertisement in the slightest, and I loved him for it. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody. I was a little disappointed by Jessica Drew. I also was disappointed by Jessica Drew. I think we'll get more and beyond the Spider-Verse, so I'm not going to hate on it too much. What are you guys' thoughts on Miles' escape from the Spider Society and his conversation with Peter B. Parker? I loved it. It was one of the best parts in the movie. I love how Peter, like the conversation with him and Peter too was really well done because of also Peter admitting like the whole reason I have a kid is because of you. And I wanted you to know that. Like it was that feeling of like, I think of you as a son. Yeah. And I, I, dude, that was, it felt so earned from the first movie in the best way. And I love how, even though he didn't tell Miles, I don't think Miles harbors a lot of judgment to it. I think he harbors a little bit. But I think he knows, like, oh, Peter's kind of retired from this stuff. He was brought in. Like, he shouldn't, he should have told me ahead of time. But I don't think there was a sense of, you betrayed me, fuck you, energy with it, too. Yeah. Well, he also didn't have much chance to tell him. Yeah. They were monitoring them, so it's not like they they could have done a lot anyway. And Spider-Gren more or less went in a on a mission and she wasn't supposed to talk to Miles because they trusted her at that point. But uh, I I do like their interaction and everything. I also like how Peter B. just shows why he's possibly the best of the spider people because he actively is able to go around, knows how to catch Miles and everything. It's like, if he could, he could catch Miles, but he doesn't want to. He wants to try and convince Miles, calm him down, tell Miles what, um, 
the stuff he wants to say and everything. And it really, I think Peter B shows off some great, um, some great moments of him just being the nerdy dork we love, but also being the competent Spider-Man we know he is. Hate the bathrobe though. Again, he's not even there to convince him. He's there to tell him about his kid. It's all reason Mayday's even there. Which, by the way, I know you two as comic fans must he's, love. He's Mayday he's he's there to be the Spider-Man that we've needed for the last fifteen years, and really need in the comics right now. Good God! <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other. Well, thing. let's talk about the spot's creepy turn. This will be our last segment because we already talked about the ending and the twist. That was cool. So, I, yeah, I already talked about my thoughts on. The spot, like, this dude turned from, oh, he's a funny villain of the week, to, oh, shit, that got dark real fast. Drew, what are your thoughts on it? It's like, oh, my God. I It's like, when um they did the art, when they were doing the change with the Collider and everything, and uh, he, we were seeing him turn into this just fully black being because his, um, his dimensional powers have fully overtaken his body. It's like, I was like, oh, God, this, this is bad. This is, oh, bad. No, 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 no. He just turned from villain of the week to you are fucked. His voice changes. The art style just goes into this like little nightmares. If you played that game kind of mode to where you're like, oh shit, this turned into a horror movie now. He, he's like, a, what's it called? The guy with the, t- the guy who um, is afraid of the tentacles and water and stuff. Why can't I remember it right now? Uh, with Cthulhu and stuff. The spot feels a bit Lovecraftian in the way he moves and everything. It's like he's, it's sort of like the animation style is making it so like he's teleporting with his movements instead of actually moving. And, or he, or he's being puppeted and stuff. And it's just so eerie. I love it. Ooh. Tristan? Uh, I thought it was real cool. I thought it was earned. Um, like I said, I wasn't expecting to care about the spot as much as I did. Like, I was laughing at him along with the rest of the characters in the movie for most of it, and then you start getting a little bit more behind why he's doing it. It's like, okay, so you're just, like, a loser, but, like, you want to be not a loser. I get that. And then you get that moment where it's like, okay, no, now you're actually terrifying. So I look forward to seeing him back, and especially when he's like, see you back home. Like, you're like, oh, shit, all right, yeah, I'll see you in Beyond the Spider-Verse. Yep, multiversal threat feels very threatening. And that's not to discredit King the Conqueror because I do think there's some revisionist history because of some real life events going on. Going like Kang was never that threatening. And Quantum Mania other than, you know, getting defeated by ants, spoilers. Uh He just never felt threatening, but he was threatening. Yeah, it was a weird like, yeah, he is, but he isn't. But here, yeah, the spot lived up to being the villain of this movie, and possibly the villain of the whole trilogy. And I wouldn't be too mad to see him in future stuff uh, out of this trilogy. But besides the point, let's end this podcast. Let's talk about our favorite and least favorite moments alongside our final thoughts. Tristan, you're about to have to get out of here. Go ahead and tell the audience and us your favorite, least favorite moments, final thoughts, and also where people can find you. Favorite thoughts, or sorry, favorite moments, uh, just the entire, (laughs) I mean, my favorite thoughts. Well, I once, you know, um... The whole escape sequence when he's running from Spire Society and he's he's having the one-on-one with Miguel on the train. That's definitely up there for me. Uh, any interaction he has with his uh, parents is, is real good shit. Um, yeah. That, the end, also the end credits. Like, I know it's weird to say, but like I've had the song they play at the end credits just on repeat for the last however many days. Like, it's... it's oh, great. Absolute, I'm not the only one. It's an absolute heater. Um, but yeah, least favorite moments, 
the end. <laughs> the two be continued because I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't care for this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Other than that, like this is a great movie overall. Uh, well, it's a great experience overall. Can't necessarily say it's a great movie because I don't know if it stands on its own yet when compared to Beyond the Spider Verse. But I like where the story's at so far. I just wish I had had more of it for my own peace of mind. Uh, but yeah, everyone should still go see it. And obviously I'll be, you know, buying this in 4k when it drops, uh, as for where you can find me, I am still cranking out material over at screen rant. So give a brother a read and you can find me on all the socials. That's Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at back issue bends. Be sure to do that. Drew, tell us your favorite, least favorite moments, final thoughts, and where people can find you. Favorite moments. Uh, I think mine has to be um, when Miles is trying to tell uh, Rio that he's Spider-Man and everything, because just the emotion in that scene, even though I knew the twist was coming and stuff, is like, I I really do like the emotion that Miles put in there and that he's trying to tell tell his mom back everything he said and like, hey, I under, he's like, hey, he's like, I had to fight against them, I fought them and everything. It's like, if this, if like, if that was real Rio, you just know going through her head is like, uh, did you get into a fight, honey? What's going on? What are you doing? You beat the. But I love the emo- I love the emotion, and it's a very cathartic moment. And the twist taking that away and like really recontextualizing everything you're feeling in that moment, love it so much. Not to butt in, but I'm gonna butt in here. Are Rio's eyes a different color? I thought because they I've were. seen that. I thought. They were. Oh well, like their in- her individual eyes are different color, or. Cause well, in, no, in like different universes. Yeah, cause I, I thought listen to like two or three spoiler talks, and they like brought that. Well, up, when you know, yeah, like, and when she was on Earth forty two, I was like, her eyes aren't green in the normal universe, are they? He's like, oh, so she's he's definitely on Earth forty two. Yeah, that's such a cool detail. Yeah, just to like give us an idea that this is a different Rio. That's 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 a nice little touch. Uh, yeah, and where you can find me? Well, currently I cannot return to YouTube because. Lomacon took more out of my account than I thought, so I am working on my job job, but uh, hopefully I will be able to return within this month. Uh, Just got to see where the paycheck falls. Uh, But if you want, you can follow me on the socials. I'll still be uploading some stuff to the socials. So yeah, Um, follow me at Drew Garrison underscore. But all in all, this was an amazing movie, no pun intended. I don't know where this ranks among the best Spider-Man movies. I think it is in the top three, even with knowing that it's probably some recency bias. But it's definitely like No Way Home. Bias, this is my top. This is in my top five. Yeah, one hundred percent. No Way Home is definitely there, and I really think across the Spider Verse, whenever I see it again and be able to watch the first twenty minutes and hear what the hell they're saying. I would probably be able to confidently put Across the Spider-Verse right up there. And hopefully Beyond the Spider-Verse gets up there too. But this is a great fucking trilogy, man. And it came out of nowhere, really. So, who would have thought? Who would have thought? But let's go ahead and get out of here, guys. I want to thank Tristan and Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We'll see you next week with a new episode. To be continued. Huh. We'll